matter how gigantic the challenge, Pastor Xavier Reese reassures the battle is the Lord's. David responded in anger, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Goliath was his enemy and the enemy of God. David was outraged, not intimidated by Goliath, that he should defy the armies of the living God. There is the problem. David's the only one that sees it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Facing an enemy giant, David's faith in God caused him to proceed without fear. For he saw Goliath was merely a mortal man, defying an all-powerful God. The simple truth is, it's not until we look at problems and difficult situations from God's perspective that we begin to realize God will fight victoriously for us and with us. And coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates in our continuing series in the book of 1 Samuel that life's challenges, put in a divine perspective, allow us to see more clearly so that we can proceed more effectively. Let's listen. The story of um, the shepherd boy, David, Killing Goliath by a stone embedding in his forehead is even a story that non-believers know. The account and many others like this are recorded by the inspiration of God through the men of God that we may know how God has worked in the past as individuals have yielded to him because we are the community of faith those who have trusted Christ Jesus. Listen to Romans 15, 4. It says, For whatever things were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happened to them, speaking of the Old Testament, as examples that they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Everything in the Old Testament is progressive revelation. The full revelation of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. The new is concealed in the old, and the old is revealed in the new. That's just the way it is. We have a complete revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Saul has been rejected by God because of his disobedience, and therefore God has sought a man after his own heart, as God has told us, that will do the will of God, not the will of the people, or his own will, even as Saul did in chapter 15. Samuel was sent down in chapter 16 to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. One by one, they were rejected by God. He asked if there was any other sons. He said, well, I have, you know, a red-headed, freckle-faced kid over there taking sheep. He says, well, bring him in. And as soon as David walked in, God says, he's the one. Anoint him. Blew away Jesse and his brothers. And Samuel took the oil and anointed him, and the Spirit of God came upon him from that day. At the same time, the Spirit of God departed from Saul. And God sent a distressing spirit to trouble him, we are told. And then David goes back to take care of the sheep. <laughs> what teenager do you, do you know today who would be told by the prophet of God, you're the next king, and he would go back to take care of the sheep? <laughs> David was an amazing, amazing young man. The servants of Saul, as you know, sought out a man to bring comfort and relief to Saul. God led them to David because God's in control here. A man that was skillful in playing the harp, the lyre, and mighty man of valor, of war, 
prudent in speech and handsome person. And the Lord was with him. And so David is brought into the royal court by the hand of God. And right under the guise of Saul there, he's being prepared. And David is learning the things of the court, and he's being prepared for greater things. He was a man of like passions as you and I, and yet he is going to fail tremendously. But he's a man after God's own heart by the words of God, because he's a man who always acknowledges and went to God and trusted God for the consequences. And there's the heart of David. Now, though David has been anointed as king, he is still shepherding the sheep of his father. This is the backdrop to the slaying of Goliath by David, which unfolds for us in a threefold movement. Let's begin here with the intimidation by Goliath. Notice verse 1 through 3 here of the chapter. The Philistines went to war with Israel. They are the enemies of Israel from the beginning. We've seen this. In verse 1, the Philistines made an encampment against Israel. They gathered on one side for battle. And then the location is given there, Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukkoth and Azekah and the Ephesus of Damin. And then the Israelis on the other side in verse 2, Saul and his men were gathered together, and they encamped in the Valley of Elah. Now, some of you have been to Israel with us. There's the Valley of Elah. You can see yourself there. It's about 16 miles southwest of Jerusalem, in the two sides of the little hill knolls, and then the valley in between. And they drew in battle against the Philistines. This is the traditional way, the way they fought, as we're going to describe it here. Look at verse 3. The armies faced each other. The Philistines stood on the one side, Israelis on the other side, the valley between them. And then, of course, those who would advance first would be at the greatest disadvantage when they were at the bottom coming up because you always had the advantage on high hill. Now, look at verse 4 through 7. The Philistines had a formidable champion. He was a giant, verse 4 tells us. He was a champion, meaning a man between two armies. And this depicts the very outcome of the fight that won from each army and then whoever won would be the victor. His name is reflective of that practice. And his stature is given to us. He's nine foot six inches tall. A cubit is 18 inches. The, the average one, there's 21 cubits, depending on the Egyptian, the Babylonian. But 18, middle of your finger to your elbow. So he's nine foot, a span, little finger to the, your fat finger, about six. Some people take it to nine. Let's go six. Nine, six. A little guy. <laughs> Verse five through six. He was fully armored. And all these details are not to bore us or to put us asleep when we can't sleep at night. They're very important, as you can see, how David's going to go out and who this man is and how he's all dressed. He had a bronze helmet on his head. By the way, bronze or brass is always symbolic of judgment. This guy's head was judged already. He was going out to die and didn't know it. How interesting. He had a coat of mail, the weight of the coat, 5,000 shekel, bronze again. And, and the increments in the, the, of poundage is different from people. It gives us different things. They go from 125 to 200 pounds. Heavy weight. Bronze armor, his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. This guy was judged from head to toe. <laughs> in verse 7, he was armed with a weapon, his staff, of his spear was like a weaver's beam, like a big tree. The iron spear weighs 600 shekels, about 24 pounds. This thing will not penetrate you. It will just splatter you. He had a shield bearer who went before him, a formidable champion, impressive, intimidating. 
But notice now in verse 8 through 11, the Philistine Goliath now makes a direct challenge. Goliath belittled them in verse 8. He stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? In other words, what are you guys trying to do? You can't compete against us. He exalted himself. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? He was looking down on Israel. And he asked them for an Israelite to fight him. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. This is the indication of his name. The man between two camps, two armies. And so Goliath then stipulated the conditions in verse 9. He said, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And this was the conventional warfare in those days. Rather than spilling a lot of blood, you pick two champions, they fight, the one who won, that's the way it was. Now, Goliath doesn't stop there. He provokes the soldiers in verse 10. He was proud. Listen, the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. That was his mistake, and we're going to see this. And he's also arrogant. Give me a man that we may fight today. Overconfidence is a weakness. You understand? Look at 11. Goliath succeeded in making them cower. I mean, they were like, they put their tail between their legs and they ran. Verse 11, there's Saul and all Israel. Saul comes first. He's a leader. He's a coward. The Spirit of God's not with him. He's self-will. And Israel heard these words of the Philistines, and Saul and all Israel were dismayed and greatly afraid. Their confidence was taken from them. Dismayed means shattered and broken. These men were just not a little scared. These guys were petrified. Their courage was destroyed, becoming greatly afraid, exceedingly fearful. These are men of battle. When that happens, you've got a real problem. We can all relate to the bully in school who attempts to intimidate everybody with the size of his mouth and body. <laughs> the Goliaths in our lives will be different for all of us, but they will come from three spheres to every one of us. First, the world, the fallen sinful sea of humanity that we are part of pulling and attacking us from the outside. Second is the flesh, my own sinful nature that is ever present to the day I die. And that is pulling and attacking me from the inside. And then you have the serpent, Satan, the enemy of God and the people of God who is the source of pride that reminds us of our self-sufficiency, our right, and how good we are. <laughs> Listen to 1 John. He lays it out. 1 John 2.16. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. Those are the three areas by which all attacks come from, ladies and gentlemen, to every one of us. Now the Goliath challenges by the enemy, Satan, can be very intimidating if we look to ourselves to defeat the enemy. That is always a mistake. Yes, he is the God of this world, but Jesus has defeated them. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Small g. He's not a God. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-present. He's a created angel. He's an imposter. He's a squatter. 
Yes, he does go about as roaring lions seeking whom he may devour, but we are to be sober and vigilant, 1 Peter 5.8. Yes, he can masquerade himself as an angel of light, but the word of God exposes who he is, 2 Corinthians 10.12, so we need to know the word. Yes, he can be intimidating, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, 1 John 4.4. You and I need to understand that. So we can do good spiritual warfare. And so the intimidation by Goliath worked because they were not looking to the Lord. That was their failure. Now notice, secondly, comes the conversation about Goliath, verse 12 to 30. Verse 12 through 19, the occasion occurred as David was sent to the camp of Israel by his father. Jesse had eight sons. And David's brothers are given in 13 through 14. Three oldest sons had gone to follow Saul in battle. They had been drafted in to the army. Their names, Eliab, the firstborn, then Abinadab, then the third is Shammai. We saw that in the previous chapter. David was the youngest. Now, it could be David's not old enough to fight in the army. That's why he's still with the sheep. It's very hard to know the, the, the timetable and all that. If he is... Uh, for some reason, he's not there right now. So somewhere in there. So people will say, well, he's under 20, some over 20. We know that 20 was the age of military service, according to Numbers 1-3 and many other passages. Now, look at 15. David had two responsibilities. He served Saul as a minstrel, and then David shepherded the sheep of his father back in Lebanon. So he'd been back and forth, back and forth. And he already knows he's going to be king. You have to remember that. Now, 16 through 19, David was sent by his father to the camp of Israel. And in verse 16, the Philistine Goliath was being persistently a nuisance. He drew out every day, near to presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. By the way, 40, again, is the number of judgment. It rained for 40 days, 40 nights. Jesus went to the wilderness and tended to the devil 40 days and 40 nights. You understand? Jesse, the father of David, told him to take to his brothers the ephod, dried grain, loaves, to the camp, and then also to the cats and some cheese and stuff like that. But the purpose of the visit is given there in 18, to see how his brothers were doing and bring back news. A father's very concerned, his sons are at war. Saul, his brothers, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines, their enemies. This is the backdrop there. Now, in verse 20 to 27, the arrival of David at the camp allowed him to witness the words of Goliath and their effect upon the soldiers. He arose early in the morning, verse 20 says, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things and went to Jesse, as Jesse commanded him to. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight, shouting for the battle. What young boy wouldn't be excited? His eyes bugging out. I mean, he can't wait to get there. And Israel and the Philistines in 21 had drawn up battle arrays against each other. Now, this is no coincidence. He's right on time as God is going to use him. You know in the book of Ruth it says, and it just so happened that Ruth came to reap in the fields of Boaz? There's no happens. God is in control. God is directing. Are you aware that God wants to lead your life, okay? Through the most natural means. Very important. Look at 22. David left his supplies in the hand of the... Uh, supply keeper. He ran to the army and he went to greet his brothers. And David then observes the enemy Goliath and the Israelites in verse 23 to 25. 
He's a shepherd boy. These guys are soldiers. In verse 23, the giant all of a sudden appears. He's just talking. And here comes this little guy over the knoll. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard him. The Israelites ran. David go, where are you guys going? <laughs> and he's standing there. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And then look at 25. David heard the men of Israel speaking to one another. This is the response. These are soldiers, by the way. In 25, the beginning there, he heard how impressed they were with Goliath. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. These are the soldiers. These are not civilians. He heard about the threefold prize offered to the one who would kill Goliath. And it shall be the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with riches, give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. That's a pretty good prize. Any relief of taxes is good anytime, <laughs> especially today. Look at 26 through 27. David spoke then to the men of Israel. He's listening. He's listening to the words of Goliath. He's listening to the words of the men. And now he speaks to the men of Israel. David there in verse 26 recognized this was a shame to Israel. Nobody recognized the shame to Israel. David responded in surprise to the man who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills his Philistines? And David knew killing Goliath alone would remove their shame. Listen to his words. And take away the reproach from Israel. Saul had removed the reproach of the Ammonites when he was first anointed and he defended Israel to the men of Jabesh Gilead, remember? Right after his anointing. Here you have David. He's been anointed. He's going to remove the reproach of Israel, killing Goliath. Both parallels. Saul was anointed privately once, twice publicly. David was anointed private once. He'll be anointed publicly twice. There's a direct parallel between both kings. One's the people's king. The other one is God's king. Now look at verse 26 still. David responded in anger when he heard it. He responds properly. David disdained Goliath. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David was outraged at Goliath. Not intimidated by Goliath. That he should defy the armies of the living God. There is the problem. David's the only one that sees it. Wow. Goliath served a dead God, Dagon. And so David reheard the same answer from the man there in verse 27. So shall it be done for the man who kills him. So then we get, in verse 28 through 30, the occasion that resulted in the rebuke of David by his brother Ilya. We get a little distraction here. <laughs> okay? And there's many distractions coming alive to get our attention away from God and the, and the glory of God. Listen very carefully. Don't miss this. Verse 28. David got an earful from his older brother. Been there? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Eliab witnessed the words of David. He heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. Eliab questioned the motive 
for his coming. Listen, why did you come down here? <laughs> Eliab accused David of being irresponsible, degrading him. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Wow. Eliab said to David that he was self-willed. I know your pride and insolence of your heart. Man, he's laying on thick, isn't he? Eliab said he was merely curious. For you have come down to see the battle. Wow. I sense a little resentment of Eliab here. He was the firstborn. And God had rejected him. Because God doesn't look upon the outwardness of me. He looks at the heart. And he knew God had anointed David to be king. And perhaps even here he knew if David goes out. Man, if he kills his giant. Man, I'll never get promoted. Saul will never look upon me. You understand? You understand what I'm talking about? Flesh is flesh. That's all it'll ever be. And after a while, flesh thinks. You've got to bathe it. You've got to spray it. You've got to do all kinds of stuff <laughs> to maintain it. Look at 29 through 30. David gave a mouthful to his older brother and the men. I love David. And he exposes the complacent attitude of his brother. Is there not a cause? This is the key verse for the chapter. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to rise up when there's evil in our nation today? When good is being said, it's evil, and evil is being good. God help us as a church, as Christian people, that we stand up for what's true and right and decent and biblical. He repeated this to the others in the thirty. Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And he heard the men respond by telling him about the reward again. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Have you ever read the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, everything things not seen. Those that come to God must believe that he is. The reward of those who does you know, seek him one by one. He says, by faith, boom, by faith, boom, by faith, boom. Verse 32 to 34 says this. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the, fire, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens or strangers. These men and women were not afraid or intimidated by the Goliaths of life, and neither should you and I. You understand? Our flesh will, and I have to bring myself under control of the Spirit of God, the mind of God. David, in going about his duties of a normal day, was sensitive to the cause of God. I have to be ready for that. He was like any other person of flesh and blood. He was a shepherd. But in his normal course of the day, he was open for God to interrupt him. Are you open to God's interruptions? Or do you have your life so planned, so set, and you are in the fast lane? Are you open to God's appointments? Or are you too busy? Pastor Xavier Reese, with encouragement to take on giant challenges through the victorious faith in the Lord of hosts. 
more simple truths drawn from our series in the book of 1 Samuel. And you can listen to this program again for any part that you may have missed just by clicking on the radio listings link when you log on to calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's much more to come right here next time as well. So if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, David Defied Goliath. It's available, as always, on CD for only $4. To get one in your hands, once again, ask for by name, David Defied Goliath. Or you can simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 